When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. happening a good thursday morning to all of you thanks for joining us it is very much appreciated a lot of content over the past 24 hours but we just keep pumping it out for you patriots celtics thoughts a lot to come your way did a breaking news podcast last night on elliot wolf being in control of the patriots 53 man roster you can check that out on the channel celtics made a nice addition last night we'll get to that in a little while but let's start with the patriots continuing to build out their coaching staff the biggest job left on the staff as of yesterday was the offensive line coach. Now, now we heard all of the names that have been brought in, right? Offensive coordinator, check the box. Defensive coordinator, check the box. Special teams coordinator, on and on. But the biggest position that was left on this coaching staff was the offensive line coach. Who was going to fill that role? Now, there is some disappointment on my end as far as who the Patriots ended up with. And there's disappointment because... They swung and missed on their primary target. Their number one target, of course, was Andy Dickerson from Seattle. That's who they wanted. Dickerson ends up going to Cleveland. So we all have to understand that this was not the number one option for the Patriots at the offensive line coach. This is not who they wanted at the top of the list. That was Dickerson. Now, who did they get? Well, Aaron Wilson from KPRC2 in Houston yesterday posted that the Patriots are hiring Browns assistant offensive line coach Scott Peters, who worked with Bill Callahan in Cleveland. Peters is a former Eagles fourth-round draft pick who played offensive line in the NFL for seven seasons. He has extensive MMA background. I'm a big MMA guy, so I like this. <laughs> Mike Giardi wrote this about Peters. Per source, quote-unquote, extremely smart and will make that line better, period. Brandon Thorne, if you don't know who Brandon Thorne is, he's an offensive line film guru. He established the you know run, the offensive line masterminds. He's from those two things. He's also working with Bleacher Report. He is seen, again, as, as an offensive line nerd, quote-unquote, right? Somebody who watches the offensive line, breaks it down, gives you all the rankings. Here's what Thorne posted yesterday on X slash Twitter. This is a cool hire. Peters brings a unique background slash approach to the game definitely deserving to get his own room. Look, I'm not breaking down offensive line play. I don't know who is a great offensive line coach, who's not a great offensive line coach. I haven't been studying assistant offensive line coaches throughout the league. So I can't sit here and tell you that Peters is going to be great. I just read from people who do study the film. I read from people who do understand who are the offensive line coaches across football. Who are the guys next in line? And one of those people is Brandon Thorne. So if Brandon Thorne tells me that Scott Peters is deserving to get his own room, then I will believe Brandon Thorne that Scott Peters is deserving to get his own room. I think this is an intriguing number two option. Again, we all know that number one was Andy Dickerson. But an intriguing number two option in Peters. 
and intriguing for many different reasons. Number one, he has learned under the Bill Callahan tree. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know every single offensive line coach in the league. I don't. But I do know, I do know for a fact that Bill Callahan is seen across the NFL, across the football landscape, as an offensive line genius. Somebody who is capable of getting the most out of offensive linemen. I don't know how you would compare him to Dante Scarnecchia, but when you look at Bill Callahan's track record, a lot of respected people in the game respect the hell out of Callahan. So the fact that Peters was under that learning tree for four years, that's a really good thing. Secondly, look at the proof of this Cleveland offensive line. And yes, they have talent, but this Cleveland offensive line, when healthy, has been dominant. John Lyons, New England Football Journal, he posted this on the Cleveland offensive line. Here were their rankings in pro football focus. In 2020, they were the number one ranked offensive line by pro football focus. PFF had them ranked as the eighth best offensive line in 21. They were the second best offensive line in 2022. Now, they fell down to number 22 last year, but of course, they had multiple injuries on that line. So when this line has been healthy with Bill Callahan as the offensive line coach and Scott Peters as the assistant offensive line coach, it has been one of the best, one of the most dominant offensive lines in football. So that's good. That's really good. Stay healthy, get offensive line production. That's what Callahan and Peters has shown in, in Cleveland. All right, before we continue with this, I have a lot of thoughts on the rest of this staff as well. Give us that thumbs up. Every single like counts an awful lot. More likes, more eyeballs. If you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. We're marching towards that. We have less than 200 subscriptions to get to that 2,000 mark. It would mean the world to me. So don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X. If you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Pods, you can also rate and review. Five-star reviews are absolutely fantastic. Start the day off with a super chat. King Cato 21 brings up Elliot Wolf. Did Elliot Wolf's contract have a succession plan set in? From what we know, it did not. Now, the interesting part is where there are buyouts involved. I know there's a buyout conversation about Gerard Mayo's contract. Greg Bedard said that the rumor down in Alabama was that Mayo had a $10 million buyout in his contract. We'll get to that hopefully at some point, maybe tomorrow. But we don't know about Elliot Wolf and the opportunities that he had elsewhere, the interviews that he might have turned down. We have no clue. But as far as succession plan within Elliot Wolf's contract, there was not a succession plan. This was not a Gerard Mayo type situation. As a matter of fact, Robert Kraft said that they wanted to evaluate the front office when they finally knew that Belichick and they were parting ways, so to speak. So there was no succession plan. Willie Beeman jumps in and says, I think Elliot Wolf will be crucial in adding late round wide receiver talent. You know, you look at that Green Bay program and they proved that they could absolutely evaluate the quarterback position. They found multiple quarterbacks in the draft at all sorts of different levels. Green Bay has had more, I would say, success at the quarterback position over the last 30 years than really any other team in the NFL. And they've also done a pretty damn good job at finding wide receivers, especially in those middle rounds. 
So again, if you want a lot of thoughts on Elliot Wolf, I dug in deep yesterday, last night, breaking news podcast. It's on the channel. You can check it out whenever you'd like. We did it last night. Elliot Wolf in full control of the 53. I'll give you the gist. I like it. And I love the idea that it was Elliot Wolf instead of Matt Grow, the Belichick loyalist. Ian says, good morning, Nick. Any thoughts on where they go with position coaches on offense? Well, again, we got the offensive line coach. We'll continue to talk about Scott Peters in a minute. We will talk about the quarterback's coach as well. That has been added over the past 24 to 36 hours. But as far as wide receivers coach, Chad O'Shea could make sense. He has a connection with both New England and Van Pelt being in Cleveland. You could also look at somebody that is out in the West Coast, like Edgar Bennett, who is coaching for the Raiders right now. He's their wide receivers coach. Don't know if Luke Getze is going to bring in his own receivers coach, but Bennett, the former running back in the NFL, has been coaching receivers. He could be a fit. We'll have to wait and see. But I would start looking at that Cleveland-Green Bay tree because it's obvious that's where Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are pulling names from. So that's what I I would be looking at. I would be looking at former coaches in Cleveland, former coaches in Green Bay, coaches that know coaches from those two spots. Jump to another Super Chat. Matthew Wilson just chipping in two bucks. I appreciate you, Matthew. Again, Super Chats, you can jump to the front of the line with your comments. You can also contribute to the program like Matthew just did financially. Always appreciate those Super Chats. Can't say enough about people jumping in and paying their hard-earned money Matthew jumps in and says, let's see, first-year head coach, first-year play caller, first-year talent roster builder. Don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but not a lot of thought behind this plan. So here's the thing. I see a lot of people killing the quote-unquote plan. I can come up with the greatest plan in the world. It's whether or not you can execute the plan. We know what Gerard Mayo's plan was because we know who they were interested in, first and foremost, at each coordinator position. DeMarcus Covington being promoted, that was the plan. So that's one of one. Special teams coordinator, they wanted Marquise Williams down in Atlanta. He decided to stay in Atlanta. He has four children. I can't kill Mayo, indict Mayo, and say, oh, well, it's Mayo's fault that they didn't get the first guy on the list at special teams. They then went to Jeremy Springer, That was their second option, and they landed Springer. And by the way, honestly, who was doing all of this research on special teams assistance throughout the NFL? I wasn't. I'm sure many of you weren't. So, you know, special teams is special teams. Their number one option stayed in Atlanta. So you could plan to go after Marquise Williams, but if the guy wants to stay in Atlanta with his family and has the opportunity to do that, Then he stays in Atlanta. There's nothing that you nor I or Mayo or Wolf could do. The offensive coordinator position, we've gone through this. We don't know where Alex Van Pelt was at the end of the day on that list because the most recent stuff that I have heard from guys like Phil Perry and others is that Alex Van Pelt was being looked at more as the overseer of the offense, the senior assistant, the job that Ben McAdoo got. So the Patriots, and I'm not telling you that's what happened, but that's what some people have said. They were looking at a young offensive coordinator and putting Van Pelt 
above that young offensive coordinator. Well, we know what happened. Shane Waldron decided to go to Chicago. That was a guy that they swung and missed on. He decided to go to Chicago. They have the number one pick, number nine pick. They wanted to bring in Zach Robinson. Who knows if they really wanted to hire Robinson, but they were interested in him. That's another situation where Robinson has coached with Raheem Morris, has a friendship with Morris, trusts Morris, and decided to go to Atlanta with Morris. Atlanta has more weapons. They have a better roster. So it's not the lack of a plan. Those are two different issues. You could talk about the plan. You could talk about the execution. I believe Gerard Mayo had a plan. They just weren't able to execute it for a variety of reasons. They weren't able to get their number one guy at OC. They weren't able to get their number one guy in special teams. And they weren't able to get their number one guy on the offensive line with Andy Dickerson. But we can't act like you can write a plan down and you just go out there and unilaterally pull the plan off. It's not how these things work. Other people have to be interested in what you're offering. And unfortunately, the Patriots didn't have a lot to offer. Now, Nick Cayley, you could you could say that he was the number one option for Mayo, and it sounds like and looks like he was the number one guy, that they wanted Nick Cayley first and foremost. Was it the money situation? If it was the money situation, that's not on Mayo. That is a Robert Kraft and ownership decision. How much money did Cayley want? It's been reported that Cayley wanted more money than Bill O'Brien got last year. So again, we have to pay attention to the context. We have to appreciate that context and understand what truly happened and not jump down the rabbit hole of narratives. This idea that Gerard Mayo had no plan, I disagree with vehemently. He had a plan. He had his list of guys. But unfortunately, when you're pitching an offensive coordinator position and you have no quarterback, no offensive tackles, no wide receiver one, no tight end signed to the roster in 2024, you're offering a crap sandwich. And there's not a lot of guys out there that could get other jobs or just stay with somebody like Sean McVay that are going to say, oh, hell yeah, I want that gig. When I have no idea who the quarterback is going to be, an offensive line that is a train wreck, no true number one wide receiver, no tight end on the roster, one running back on the roster. If you want to blame anybody for the lack of being able to hire a true young stud, young gun OC like everybody wanted, you could look at Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick made the final decisions on personnel, and he's the guy that left this mess on that side of the football. And now Gerard Mayo and Elliot Wolf are trying to clean up the mess. Jump to another super chat. Teresa, who uh, sticks with the program an awful lot, avid supporter of the show. Uh, Teresa, I appreciate it. Great job at the podcast, Nick. Thank you for that super chat again. You can jump to the front of the line and contribute to the program by sending a super chat. Can't say enough to those that do that. I appreciate every single one of you. All right, let's get back to the coaching staff. Scott Peters, offensive line coach. Good thing he has a background in the system. He has coached within the West Coast offense, right? He's been in Cleveland for the past four years. He knows exactly what Alex Van Pelt wants to do offensively. Ben McAdoo knows what Van Pelt wants to do. Everything is linked together. So a background within the system. The fact that all of these guys have worked together at some point in time. Peters has worked with Van Pelt for four years. You're talking about cohesion. You're talking about communication. Guys on the same page 
running the same system, understanding what they want to do. That is a very, very good thing. Peters was not the only hire to the offensive staff. Jonathan Jones from CBS posted yesterday that the Patriots are targeting T.C. McCartney as their next quarterback's coach. Now, McCartney was most recently serving as Cleveland's tight ends coach. (laughs) Sound familiar? He was the Broncos quarterback's coach in 2019. By the way, he got some pretty good play out of Drew Luck that year. Drew Luck. Just combined Andrew Luck and Drew Luck together as one. He now reunites with Alex Van Pelt in New England. Here was uh, Andrew Callahan on McCartney. Played quarterback at LSU for three years, four years. His grandfather winning his football coach in Colorado history. He just coached David Njoku to his first Pro Bowl while that player worked with five different quarterbacks. Taylor Kyles posted, McCartney has a history with Kyle Shanahan, offensive assistant when Shanahan was the Browns OC in 2014. Reunited during Shanahan's first two seasons as the 49ers head coach when McCartney served as an offensive assistant and quality control coach. Phil Perry talked about McCartney yesterday on Zoe and Beatle, 98.5 The Sports Hub. He said, quote, I just been texting back and forth with one of McCartney's former co-workers. The Shanahan system is really his thing. If you're telling me that T.C. McCartney is going to bring some elements of the Shanahan offense with him here to New England, thumbs up, baby. I'm all for it. I am all freaking for it. Bring me the Shanahan tweaks to the West Coast offense. If you want to have an idea as to what Van Pelt and McAdoo could do here with New England with this offense, you can listen to yesterday morning's podcast. We got into that. We had a two-pod day yesterday. In the morning, we told you about the offense and what we see from McAdoo and Van Pelt, what kind of scheme, what kind of things that the Patriots could do on that side of the football with those two guys running the operation. Last night, we did a breaking news podcast on Elliot Wolf being put in control of the 53-man roster, leading the personnel department. Give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to like. We need more eyeballs on this product. We need to build this community. We do that with thanks to you. So give us that like. I can't say it enough. More likes means more traffic and more interaction. Also, comment and subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. So I love the experience with the Shanahan system. If T.C. McCartney can come in as the quarterback's coach and help modernize this offense, I'm all for it. I also really, really appreciate this idea that the Patriots are now going to devote a person to be the quarterback's coach and the quarterback's coach only. From what we know, McCartney is being hired as the quarterback's coach. He's not being hired as the quarterback's slash tight ends coach. He's being hired as the quarterback's coach. The Patriots, they have not had one guy devoted to the quarterback and the quarterback only since 2020 when Jed Fish did it. And now, of course, Jed Fish is in Washington. He just brought on Steve Belichick. From like 2012 to 2019, Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. In 2020, Jed Fish took that title. Then you had McDaniels come back, and again, McDaniels was the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. In 2022, Joe Judge was the assistant head coach slash quarterbacks coach. Don't ask me what the hell Joe Judge knows about quarterback play. And last year, Bill O'Brien was offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. Bill Belichick was giving coaching guys on the coaching staff 
multiple jobs. So I love this idea and this approach that we are going to bring in somebody who has experience as a quarterback's coach, and that guy is going to work with the quarterback. It might sound like a crazy idea to some. It, it, it sounds like common sense to me. One person, one human devoted to the quarterback position. Fantastic. Again, it's happened once here in New England since 2012. That's bananas. T.C. McCartney is not going to be designing the offense. He's not going to be calling the plays. His one job is to pay attention to the quarterback, develop the quarterback, help the quarterback in any way that he can. Love it. Love it. Here's another thing about McCartney. He's 34 years old, so he's young. He has potential. He is somebody that is growing within the game. And when you look at this staff, if you can continue to build this staff, you have McCartney as your quarterback's coach, 34 years old. You have Scott Peters, who I believe is in his late 30s or early 40s. I think he's still in his 30s as the offensive line coach. I would think, and I'm, I'm not sure, this has not been reported just yet, but I would think that Will Lawing will continue to be the tight ends coach. Lawing came in. He was the only guy that Bill O'Brien was allowed to hire as the offensive coordinator, which, again, is just silly. But Will Lawing is somebody who is thought highly of within the game, and he's 38. So think about what the Patriots are building here. Ben McAdoo, senior assistant offense, right? Van Pelt is your offensive coordinator. But underneath Van Pelt, you have positional coaches that are dedicated to one thing, who are young, have potential, and continue to develop under McAdoo and Van Pelt. So again, I can't tell you, I've been, I can't stress this enough. I can't guarantee you this is going to succeed. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be terrible. We have no idea how these guys are going to do their jobs. We have no clue if they're going to be successful or not. All I can tell you is this makes a lot of sense. Yes, Van Pelt was not the first choice. Yes, I would have loved a young stud OC that could stay here, hopefully, fingers crossed, for two or three years. Yes, I get it. But given the circumstances, Does this plan make sense? It makes a hell of a lot of sense. You've got an experienced quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. Above him, you've got somebody who was an offensive coordinator for three years, has developed and evaluated quarterbacks. You have a devoted quarterbacks coach. You have an offensive line coach who's learned underneath one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL over the past 30 years. You have Will Lawing, likely staying as tight ends coach. All of those guys in their mid to late 30s. So you're starting to develop this staff underneath them. And you're running a West Coast offense, which is simplified for the quarterback, easier to handle. Like it. If you go back to the quarterback coach hire, you look at McCartney. McCartney was also a tight ends coach. And a lot of people will tell you if you're a tight ends coach, That's the best spot to be in if you want to be an offensive coordinator because you work with both the pass and the run game. So he does have some versatility. Continue to build that staff depth. Get to the defense quickly. 
Brian Belichick is returning. Don't forget to give us a like. All thumbs count. We appreciate you. Brian Belichick is coming back. Mike Reese wrote this last night, ESPN. Belichick coming back in his role as safeties coach the past four seasons. That's what he's held. Be Brian Belichick's ninth year with the Patriots. Began as a scouting assistant, then coaching assistant, then took over safeties. Again, he could fill that role under Mayo and new defensive coordinator Demarcus Covington. I have no issue with Brian Belichick returning to the Patriots. He has done a good job with the safety position. He's had to coach veterans. He's had to develop young players. He's done a really good job. He had the reclamation project in Jabril Peppers. Kyle Duggar, when he's actually played in the right position because you're not scrambling for a free safety because you didn't address it when Devin McCourty retired. Kyle Duggar in the box safety has done fantastic work. So when you look at what Brian Belichick has done on the back end, he deserves a spot on this staff. It's more continuity defensively. Mayo, Demarcus Covington, Brian Belichick. We have to wait and see if Mike Pellegrino will be back. I've read that that is likely, that he could return as defensive backs coach. And remember, Covington and Mayo, they have strictly worked with the front seven. So I think it's vital to have experience on the coaching staff and continuity on the back end. So if you have Pellegrino and Brian Belichick working with the defensive backs, I think that's a plan that makes sense. Again, do all of these things make sense? I think they do. I'm not telling you what the result is going to be. But you want that continuity, and you want the two coaches who have gotten a lot out of that back end. Think about Christian Gonzalez and how well he played early on. Think about all the defensive backs, cornerbacks that Mike Pellegrino has had to work with, getting the most out of Miles Bryant and his versatility. And I would imagine it's going to be much less awkward with Brian Belichick on the staff now that Bill doesn't have a job in 2024. Would have been pretty awkward if Bill was somewhere else. JD jumps in with the chat again. If you want to get to the front of the line, you send a super chat. The front office is being installed. The O will change scheme for the first time in 25, 30 years. Offense needs major infusion of talent. It all begins with talent. Doesn't matter what system you run. Doesn't matter what scheme it is. Doesn't matter who your coaches are. You need talent. This team needs talent. All eyes now on Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, Patrick Stewart, and Matt Grow to get this right. It starts with free agency in just over a month from now. Then you move on to the draft. But talent is number one at the top of the list. Brother Rob jumps in and says, Patriot fans, especially those under 40, need to be educated on how the NFL actually works. We have been blinded for 25 years by the greatest run in league history. This rebuild will take some time. It'll take some time. I think if you hit in several different areas, it could take two years. If you swing and miss, especially at quarterback, it could take three to five years. It's going to take some time. Now, also to what Brother Rob has to say, I think a lot of people, again, they just believe that, oh, you're, you're able to go out there and get the offensive coordinator that you want, right? That Gerard Mayo just picks up the phone and calls a 30-year-old young gun offensive coordinator, and the guy says yes, and boom, deal done. D'Amico Ryans got Bobby Slowick because D'Amico Ryans knew Bobby Slowick from their time in San Francisco. And this was the issue with, you know, promoting Mayo to the head coach spot. 
Mayo had a limited Rolodex. We've said that since day one. So things are not going to go your way during a rebuild. You're not going to be able to check off every number one option that you had on the list. It's just, it's not realistic. So you look at reality, you look at context, and you look at the circumstances. Mo Butler, New England Packers. Look, if there's one organization that you want to draw from, Packers, not a bad one at all, right? Not a bad one at all. Consistently successful, have won a lot of games, have done a great job at the quarterback position. Nightshade says, bring Brian Hartline in. He got a little bit of a bump at Ohio State. He's now the co-offensive coordinator. And if Bill O'Brien goes to Boston College, you wonder what that will do with Hartline. I saw something yesterday that Chip Kelly might be the next guy at Ohio State to call the plays if O'Brien goes to BC. We'll see how all of that shakes out. All right, let's get to the Celtics now. I talked about the Celtics' needs yesterday. I said they needed a four-slash-five physical presence, right? They needed some front-court insurance, somebody who could defend, somebody who could rebound. Brad Stevens goes out, and he trades for Xavier Tillman. I think it's a great fit. You need that insurance. Al Horford's 38. Kristaps Porzingis, his injury history. I was not comfortable rolling into the postseason with those two guys being backed up by Luke Cornett and Namias Keita. It just wasn't. You needed a more dependable, talented option. And I think Tillman is that guy. And he is a top defender. You want to talk about defender? Xavier Tillman's ridiculous. Chris Forsberg posted this. Tillman averaging 2.1 stocks, steals plus blocks, per game this season. He's always among the top bigs and steals. 98th percentile this year per cleaning the glass. 146 players defending 10-plus field goal attempts per game. Tillman ranks 15th in defensive field goal percentage. He is 5th in field goal percentage differential. He holds opponents to 6% below expected. That is one spot ahead of Porzingis. Opponents shoot almost 13% below expected inside six feet against Tillman per NBA tracking. Xavier Tillman is a very good defensive player, a very versatile defensive player in the front court. He's also somebody who has playoff experience. Give us a like, thumbs up, like, comment, and subscribe. Trying to get to 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. Every thumb up means an awful lot. So take out that second from your very busy day. Just takes one second and click that like button. Rate and review on Spotify and Apple Pods. So you've got somebody who can defend their butt off. You've got somebody who's going to act as insurance for Al and Kristaps Porzingis. You've got somebody who's been to the playoffs before, understands the postseason, has played minutes in the postseason. All of those are good things. He's also a good rebounder. If you look at the per 36 minutes rebounds per game numbers, very similar to Horford, very similar to Porzingis. And Tillman also brings versatility. He's 6'7", but he has a lot of length. He's a 6'7 guy with tons of length. He, can, he plays the four, but he can also play the five in certain matchups. And so what that means is you can play the double big lineup with Tillman. You can play Horford with Tillman versus certain opposition. You can play Porzingis with Tillman. So you can still continue to play the double big lineup. 
but you don't have to rely on Kata or Cornette. I mean, imagine defensively what you have with Tillman and Porzingis. Imagine defensively what you have in Tillman and Horford. I mean, all three of those guys can defend at a high level. So Tillman is just another piece to this puzzle. Don't depend on him offensively. He should not be shooting any threes. He's not an offensive guy. He'll give you a little bit in transition. He'll give you some in the restricted area. But Tillman is one of those guys. He's one of those guys that can defend, that can rebound, that is going to bring you all the hustle plays. So I think it's a very good fit. He's 25 years old, which is fantastic. Plenty of basketball left in those legs. And again, Brad Stevens, the, the guy's a freak. I, what did he give up? Brad Stevens is unbelievable. Stevens is a better front office employee than he was coach. I mean, he's that freaking good. Look at what he's done. You go back. We realize that Brad Stevens traded Marcus Smart, Mike Mascala, Gallinari, in a second-round pick for Porzingis and two first-round picks. That's a trade that actually happened, folks. Stevens is at another level. He is so good at this. He gave up relatively nothing for Tillman. Lamar Stevens, who could barely get garbage minutes, and two second-round picks. I remind you, going into yesterday, the Celtics had eight second-round picks they could trade. And if they want to do something else, they have a lot of ammo left. They have six second-round picks. They have multiple first-round picks they can trade. They still have the Grant Williams TPE. That's $6.2 million. They still have the Justin Jackson TPE. That's about $1.9. Unbelievable. One more thing about Tillman. Brian Robb, my buddy at Mass Live, brought this up last night. Tillman's an unrestricted free agent. However, the Celtics will maintain his bird rights. And that's important because the Celtics will have limited options to build the rest of this roster moving forward with the CBA because they've poured so much money into the top six. They only have so many resources to build depth on this team. So you acquire Tillman, who's unrestricted walking into the summer. However, he's somebody who will have his bird rights held by the Celtics, which means the Celtics can offer Tillman as much money as they want, which gives you a much better chance of holding on to Tillman for the long term. And if you look at Tillman, again, he doesn't shoot. He doesn't stretch the floor. But we're talking about a 6'7", long front court guy who can defend. Horford has one year left on his contract after this season. If you want somebody who can play that 4-5 role when Horford ages out, you can now keep Tillman, sign him long-term. I don't think he's going to cost you a ton of money. And now you have your long-term Al Horford replacement at least defensively. Just makes all the sense in the world. Great job by Brad. We'll see if they make another move. I think they need a wing. 
I would like to see a two slash three, somebody who that can create their own offense, somebody that can get to the free throw line, somebody that's not a complete albatross defensively. I think they still need that piece on this roster for depth. Somebody who is more athletic and more offensively versatile and, again, can create with the basketball in his hands, things that Sam Hauser can't do. Hauser's great at what he does, but he can't do those things. I hope that Brad Stevens can get that one more piece to this puzzle. Jake Fisher this morning said the Celtics are likely done. B-Rob said last night that they're going to be aggressive and that it's likely they could pull off another deal before the deadline today. Deadline's at 3 o'clock. By the way, speaking of the NBA, three, uh, not a three-way deal. Deal was just made. Adrian Wojnarowski, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Alec Burks. They go to the Knicks. The Pistons get Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archdinakno, and uh, two second-round picks. So that deal was just made. Uh, Kelly Olynyk also headed to the Toronto Raptors. All right, that'll do it for today. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Trying to get to 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. I appreciate every single one of you and the time that you spend here with this program. Breaking news podcast last night about Elliot Wolf. You can check it out. Yesterday, we did a deep dive into the offense. Alex Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo, if you want to check that out. We're back tomorrow unless something breaks, unless the Celtics do something bananas or the Patriots do something else. We'll be back tomorrow morning on the Friday at 11 a.m. sharp right here on YouTube. Until then, thank you. It is the Nick Cattle Show.